It's the new year. How are we feeling? You made it here. You know, honestly, honestly, last night I dreamed that I would be preaching to one person. <laughs> so yeah, you know what? Give yourselves a hand for being here, seriously. <laughs> Who stayed up late to count down? Yep, yep, I didn't get to bed until about 1.30. So I'm tired, but I'm here, and so are all of you. Did anyone watch our service? our um, worship yesterday? Great, that's so great. So you all know that we talked about intentions and resolutions in that time. I love that we do that. I love this ritual that we practice together. Thank you, Pam, for leading it. I love that we do this once and once every year, for some of us more frequently, Reverend Natalie shared with me that she does this on her birthday set intentions for what we desire for the future, for what we want for the coming year, to say out loud or to write down our hopes for the future, for our dreams. Maybe, maybe you wrote down or you thought about what habits you wanna break or make this year. Can anyone resonate with that? Maybe some of you had desires, have desires this year to accomplish something, to build something, to start something, to find love even. In the year 2007, I set intentions for a better 2008. I was singing this song. This was gonna be my year. I had just gone through a breakup and decided that this was the year that I was going to focus on my personal development. I would focus on my spiritual growth specifically and I would start laying down the foundations for stability in my career when I was living in Australia. I'd already had all these plans lined up. I was gonna go on a missions trip to South America that, that January of 2008. I talked to my boss that year. I said, I need growth. I need to see a future in my work here. And so we talked about a promotion. And my boss promised me a promotion that would be lined up, that I would start as soon as I came back from this trip. That year was gonna be amazing. But as we all know, we can hope for good things and put plans in place. We can hope for good things to manifest, but sometimes things don't go the way that we hope. Sometimes we encounter disruption in our lives. And that prompts us to ask, where did I go wrong? What happened to this plan that I put in place? And there are times that Things don't go the way that we planned and we're faced with disappointments. And for me, that happened when I was in Santiago, Chile on that January of 2008. This trip that I so look forward to. When I was there, I got a phone call from my mother who was living in Hong Kong where I was born, saying that I needed to fly back home because my dad was in a coma. And that was when things suddenly started falling apart for me. I flew 30 hours collectively from Santiago, Chile to a tiny island south of China called Hong Kong to be by my dad's side. And I prayed and I hoped, I believed this wasn't gonna be it for him. But three weeks later, my dad passed away 
and all my plans fell apart. I asked myself, why is this happening? How could this happen? What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? I really thought, especially coming out of a mission trip, doing all this amazing work for God, I really felt that God had abandoned me, abandoned me in this moment because of the things that unfolded in my life was so different from what I had planned at the start of that year. Instead of celebrating a promotion and securing my future in Australia, instead of growing in my faith, I spent the next two years in deep depression, grief, and loneliness. Now our faith has a history of attaching meaning to events like these in our life, to experiences of suffering and hardship and saying that these are forms of punishment for sins that we've committed. If someone were to experience illness or financial hardship, these were thought to be times when they had lost God's favor. Even instances such as war or famine or flood, these were believed to be forms of God's judgment on the entire nation. But this doesn't line up to what the author of our passage today is describing in these eight verses where they outlined 14 sets of experiences that no one can escape from. Verse 1 says that for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. That means everything that happens, so long as we are on this side of heaven, every one of these things listed will happen. There is no escaping it. That means two things. Firstly, that the highs and lows of our journeys in life these polar extremes that are described in these eight verses are all inevitable. Secondly, these experiences are inevitable for everyone, that the path is not smooth and steady for someone who we, whom we've come to believe is more righteous or favored by God, neither is it more treacherous or difficult for someone who we've come to believe has displeased God. These seasons are inevitable, whatever you believe, whether you are Jewish or Christian, or Muslim, or Hindu, or Baha'i, whether we believe in God or not, whether we are rich, or poor, or privileged, or marginalized, these seasons of life are inevitable for us all. But can I be honest for just a moment? Can I, will you allow me just to be human for a second? There's just a part of me that is dissatisfied with this. Because I can't, I just, there's a part of me just that cannot understand why do good people have to suffer? Why did my dad have to die? There's a part of me that wishes that God actually did cast judgment because I can think of a lot of other people, at least in 2008, because I'm a better person now. There's, there's a part of me that honestly wishes that God cast a judgment on the wicked. Why do the wicked racists get to live in comfortable houses in their nice homes when there are disproportionate numbers of black, 
brown, Asian, Latinx, and indigenous people that live below the poverty line. There's a part of me that wishes that God would punish people for their homophobia, for their transphobia, for their sexism. There's a part of me that really thinks that it's unfair that people with disabilities face hardships every day because we live in an ableist world, because we live in an accommodating, unaccommodating world. And it's hard to hear a message like this, this, this passage this morning, even being a pastor in this community, because we're working so hard in this community to build a more just world for the future. It's hard because I ask myself this question. What is the point of chasing after peace, after love, when this passage right here says war and hate are inevitable? They're just gonna happen. What is the point of advocacy if, if even silence, being silenced is inevitable? In 2008, I thought to myself, what is the point in living these dreams that I had for, two, for, for that year, these dreams for having an independent life in Australia? What is the point in living that life if we're all gonna die anyway? And I never returned back to live out those dreams. But I see hope in what is written in this passage this morning. Hope that I couldn't see when I was in this long and dark season of grieving. And I'm humbled by what the author writes. And I see that our author is teaching us that we can try to control things happening in our life. We can try to avoid seasons of adversity, but it's impossible. Because the positive times of our lives that we tend to favor are not actually possible without the times that we hope to avoid. The positive experiences are not possible without times of difficulty, without times of adversity. There is value in each extreme where one season feeds into the other. And we are invited in this passage to survey these seasons as a whole, to survey the good and the bad of life together, to see each season as essential, to see the sacred both in what we're running towards and what we put down in these stars and what we are fleeing from and what we hope to melt away, to see that we will never get stuck in one season the way that I felt stuck in 2008. Two weeks ago, when I started working on this sermon, a man who was formerly incarcerated reached out to our team wanting to share his story with us. And he sent us a link to um, an interview that he had done and described his experiences after being wrongfully imprisoned for a number of charges. In his time when he was in prison, he worked really hard to, to fight to stop, to have these charges overturned. Those charges were eventually overturned, but you won't believe how long it took. It took 15 years. 15 years of time with family gone. 15 years of witnessing abuse, 
of fellow inmates, 15 years that took such a toll on his body that he was now in a wheelchair. After he shared his story, the interviewer asked him, how did you manage to stay strong through this horrendous ordeal? And through tears, he shared that there were times when he thought that the grief that he was carrying from the injustice of losing his freedom and time lost with family became so overwhelming that he, that he wanted to give up. Those times certainly did visit him, but he just couldn't let injustice win. He knew that this couldn't be the end of his story, that something better had to be coming. And his faith in God gave him strength, and his faith served as a reminder of better things to come. That even when people were dying from COVID all around him, he didn't lose hope. He knew early on to resist the idea that we often get, that we often start to believe that he was being punished by God or that God had abandoned him. And instead of asking, what did I do to deserve this? He shared with the interviewer that he felt called to share his story. That's how he felt called to respond to this season. For 15 years, he chose speaking out. For 15 years, he wrote letters when his voice was being locked and silenced behind bars. For 15 years, he didn't lose hope because he knew that the other end of this extreme experience of suffering was inevitable, even for him. God doesn't forget us in any of these seasons, particularly the ones where we think we're being abandoned. We will never get stuck. We might be there for 15 years, but we will never get stuck at any point in our journey because God is accompanying us through every season, gently pushing us through from season to season and time after time. Though there will be times of weeping, that times of laughter are also inevitable. And God accompanies us through the extremes of both and the spaces in between. The remarkable thing too is that none of us are alone in those experiences. All of creation, that passage says all, everything under the heavens, so all of creation, every single living thing participates in these similar ebbs and flows of life. Just as the cycles of death and life are essential to the sustainability of the natural world, so are the seasons of life that we experience. The time to plant and pluck up is named in this passage to illustrate that the importance of harvesting of crops in the fall and the death and decay of winter is essential to making way for new life in the spring and for flourishing in the fall. The author is inviting us to see wisdom in nature, to take inspiration from the natural world for how we should live through these seasons, for how we can find hope as we move between these seasons, to let go of the desire to try to influence the outcome. Because trying to take control, our author says, 
is vanity, like chasing the wind. It's futile. And so I find myself searching and wondering, so what of these seasons? And from what I can gather, I think our purpose is to lean into curiosity, to search, to listen, to discern how we might respond in this season. And as we respond, to know that this too shall come to pass as we begin to enter the next season. In 2008, when I was deep in the season of depression, and in the year 2020, when so many of us were experiencing a collective grief between the pandemic, racism, misogyny, bigotry, and xenophobia that tore our nation apart, and then a fire that consumed our building, I think there were many of us that longed for better days ahead. That'd be fair to say, right? I'm coming up to 15 years since my dad's passing, and some things haven't changed at all. Our building still sits in a rubble. My family is still completely torn apart, and reconciliation feels like a far and distant dream. But I do see where God has accompanied me. Even when I ended my future of dream, my dreams of living in Australia, I ended that for, by leaving Australia for good, God invited me into curiosity around what other pathways were possible. And without that, I wouldn't be here. I see how God has moved in, in showing me open doors towards a pathway to working in ministry and following my call, my call that I had since I was 18 years old to go to seminary. And that couldn't have happened without that season. That couldn't have happened with, if I hadn't closed that door on that, on that dream in Australia. Looking back, only now looking back, it's taken several years. I can now see the beauty that rose from the ashes of that period of grief. In this community, I've only been here for three months. And I am so inspired by how we have responded to the collective, collective grief that we've all experienced over the last two years. We could have met hate with hate. We could have met war with war. But instead, we chose fierce love, fierce, radical love. We chose loving our unhoused neighbors. We chose confronting our racial biases. We chose uncomfortable conversations. We chose confronting sexism and heteronormativity by leaning into curiosity. We chose listening, silencing ourselves, and listening to marginalized voices. And this is how we've chosen to respond to adversity that was happening all around us. And so as I close the, our sermon today, this teaching today, I'd like to invite you all to remember, remember how you moved through the last couple of years as you look ahead into 2023. Let's remember to do that, especially when things don't go the way that we planned this year. Let's set an intention 
that whether we're in a season of letting go or embracing, whether we're in the season of planting in the soil or plucking up from the soil, tearing down or building up, as we move in and between each of these seasons, let us set an intention to see the value of each, to let the inevitability of that season, that next season, bring us hope that whatever we're going through right now will also come to pass. Instead of running away and trying to escape it or trying to control the outcome of it, let us tune ourselves to the presence of God who is with us always, walking with us always, and ask ourselves, how am I invited to respond in this moment? Thank you. Thank you.